Welcome back to Ew, That's Creepy podcast. This episode, Jackie will be telling Melissa about a famously haunted cemetery, the Highgate Cemetery in London, England. Not only is Highgate known for its ghostly encounters, it is also known to have a vampire lurking in the shadows. Please be aware that this episode will discuss the desecration of a corpse in killing of animals. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, creepy cats. We are here with another episode of Ooh, That's Creepy. And today we are going to be talking about some more haunted cemeteries. Ooh, I'm excited to hear. How did everyone feel about mine last week? We loved it. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Taking suggestions from the crowd. But thank you. I thought it was pretty creepy. So I'm really excited to hear about yours, Jackie. So, mine is a little different than a regular old, your traditional haunted cemetery story. This one is about Highgate Cemetery, but it's actually associated with the Highgate Cemetery Vampire. Oh. (laughs) Okay, so now I see what you mean about not your typical cemetery. Yeah, it's a little something. Wait, what? You mean you've never run into a vampire when you went to the cemetery? Sadly, no. But if there are any out listening, meet me there next time. Salvatore Brothers, are you out there? Oh, if only. <laughs> if only. <laughs> <laughs> well, just jump right into this, though. I don't think the Salvatore Brothers will be making an appearance. Is this in the United States? I don't know why. It sounds not. No. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's in London, England. It was giving a London vibe. Yeah, it's serving London. (laughs) It's giving London the London look. (laughs) It is. And this little London cemetery was built, I believe, in the 1800s. And it was really popular and it had really nice architecture. A lot of cemeteries do have really cool architecture and this was one of them so a lot of people just really enjoyed it and there are some not famous people but very notable people who are buried there including Karl Marx, George Eliot, Douglas Adams, and Alexander Litvinenko which I didn't know who that was, so I looked it up. And he was a member of the Russian government. And there's, like, a lot of history on him, obviously. But he was a big critic of Vladimir Putin. And it is rumored that he was actually poisoned to death by the government for what he was saying. Ooh. Yeah, so that's a whole story of itself, but his body also lays there. So, very notable people, and this cemetery is huge. Some scandalous people buried there. Yeah, it's just a, a scandalous little place. And somehow it also ties into this, like, weird story with Francis Bacon and how he passed away it's like this story about, I believe that people say 
the ghost of a chicken is in Highgate Cemetery. What? Yeah, so Francis Bacon was trying to prove in an argument with somebody in 1626 that freezing meat would preserve it. So they stopped somewhere around Highgate Hill and bought a chicken and killed it and put it in cold weather, I guess. They put it in some snow and buried the carcass, basically, to see what happened. And I believe eventually Bacon took the chicken out or whatever, but afterwards he caught um, a severe cold and was very, very sick, and he actually passed away from that illness. So that's the whole story, but somehow people say the ghost of the chicken is in the cemetery. Because they... I don't know. I guess because they killed it. Maybe because... <laughs> it's like, I mean, that's what happens when people eat chicken. Wow, so... I don't know. <laughs> so the chicken is now following him around for life and is now in the cemetery because he killed the chicken? Perhaps. Perhaps. But that's just a side note that some people like to say is that this was like, I guess that whole ordeal happened around the Highgate Cemetery. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure, but I had to throw that in there because who doesn't love Thank the you. ghost of a haunted chicken? Thank you for including that. You're welcome. But sadly, the beautiful cemetery eventually lost its luster after World War II. That's hard to say. It kind of just fell into disrepair, which I'm sure a lot of places did after World Wars. But by the 1960s, it was pretty dilapidated and kind of fallen down. But it was actually used for a couple horror movies for the set, which is pretty cool. Such as From Beyond the Grave and Taste the Blood of Dracula. So maybe I'll have to watch those now just to see. Yum! Taste the Blood of Dracula! (laughs) Yeah, cute. I don't know what... I'm assuming they're just, like, scary movies set in the cemetery, but it's pretty cool. But it is also equally sad that the cemetery was kind of worn down. But in 1967, rumors began to fly. Since it was a cemetery and there were horror movies that were shot there, it kind of just picked up rumors, as cemeteries and graveyards often do, So there were just kind of rumors flying around, but in 1967, two teen girls were walking home nearby Swain's Lane, and they claimed to have seen the dead rising from their graves. Oh, God. And another teenager had later said that she had been awoken one night with something cold and clinging on her hand, and it left marks on her hand the next day. Other people, yeah, I don't know what that has to do with the cemetery. (laughs) Well, other than the vampire story that's going to come out later, but she, that happened. (laughs) And then there was also a rumor about seeing a tall man in a hat that was walking in the area, but he would disappear through the walls. Okay. So just some creepy stuff going on around the cemetery. You know, but things just upped the ante and... In the early months of 1970, there were some animals that were found dead that had been drained of blood. 
an article was eventually written in the Hampstead and Highgate Express that had the headline, Does a Vampire Walk in Highgate? So, rumors were flying, things were going crazy, and on the 6th of February that year, a self-proclaimed magician, his name was David Ferrant, he actually wrote to the Hampstead and Highgate Express, nicknamed the Ham and High, and said that he had seen a supernatural figure that, that he believed was a vampire, and that was terrorizing the town, basically. He's like, I have figured it out and put the clues together. It's a vampire. <laughs> basically, that's what he said. There is some. There's not a whole lot known about him. Some articles said that he was raised in a family that was, like, really into the spiritualist movement, and he grew up just kind of believing more spiritual stuff and that you could communicate with the dead. And then I also read that he was the president of the Psychic and Occult Society. Oh. But not sure how much. There's just not a whole lot known about their early lives. But regardless. He seems like he would have to be a spiritual person if at that time in the 60s you were working as a magician. Because, I don't know, I feel like back then if you did any sort of, like, magician work, people probably thought you were into something spiritual. Yeah, and thought you were strange. Sprite break. Oh, my delicious Sprite. It's fantastic. Sprite. <laughs> Sprite, are you listening? Sprite. But soon after David Ferrant's account, there was another self-proclaimed magician who said that he believed it was a vampire, and it was, like, appallingly apparent. That was what he said. His name was Sean Manchester. He was also a self-proclaimed exorcist and vampire hunter. Oh. So how are there two... And that's how he's saying he, like, basically knew this information. It's because he's a vampire hunter, so, like, he would know, you know. So why didn't you publish it first if it was so apparently obvious, appallingly obvious? <laughs> I don't know. They were probably both there. I, who knows? Maybe someone's making it One of it them up. was just trying to jump the gun before the other. I don't know. There's just, there's a lot that people have to say about both of these characters, but I would say, like, take it with a grain of salt because who actually knows <laughs> what yeah. these people say? But some people report that Sean Manchester had said that he was related to King Arthur. (laughs) And he always went places with his vampire hunting kit. Who doesn't? Good point. But the local media and people were eating this up. They were obviously loving it that Manchester and Ferrant were kind of, like, starting this duel because they both were self-proclaimed magicians, basically, and they were both talking about how they were going to fight off the Highgate vampire, and they were going to destroy it and stake it. Oh my gosh. We're together, boys. I know, but it was kind of, like, developing into a competition, and it actually 
reached a climax, basically, because on Friday the 13th, 1970, a TV station ran a program that kind of just talked about everything that was going on in the hauntings of Highgate Cemetery, and within hours of the TV broadcast, there were dozens of people who showed up at the cemetery with stakes, and they were saying that they were hunters who were coming there to take down the vampire. Oh my god. And police, they were there, and they were ready. They were on the scene, and they were trying to calm it down and everything. And it wasn't like getting violent with the police, but Highgate Cemetery is just so big. It's like the officers can only guard so many places. So people did get in, Somehow, some way, they got in, and they just kind of, like, went crazy, which is sad. They were looking for the vampire, and they just wreaked havoc. A lot of graves were open, and corpses were actually beheaded and stabbed with stakes. What the hell? Why? Because they were looking for the vampire. So they were like, stab that person that was just buried. They could be him. I guess. I, I don't know what was suspicious to them, like, what sort of corpse was and what wasn't. But people did obviously break in and wreak havoc. Damn, show some respect. Yeah, it's, like, pretty messed up. Yeah, isn't that a crime to deface corpses? Like, Yeah, but I just feel like so many people were kind of running crazy and wreaking havoc that they just, I don't know, probably didn't charge anybody. True. I mean, if police were trying to keep people out, then I'm sure they weren't actually seeing who was damaging the inside. Mm-hmm. And in August of 1970, a woman's century-old remains were discovered near her former resting place in the cemetery, which is obviously suspicious. And I believe that there were also, just like after that initial day in February, other bodies were not stolen but damaged and there were graves that were messed up which is uh not it's like fun to get into the whole there could be a vampire thing I get that but you can't be messing with someone's resting place right how would you feel if your grandma's resting place was messed up like that yeah anyone in your family come on now but when that a couple weeks after that happened in August, Ferrant actually found himself arrested because police found him in a nearby churchyard near the graveyard, and he was carrying a crucifix and a wooden stake. <gasps> so he had been doing it? Oh, I don't know about that part, but I think that's like where people were going because they wrote news articles about this so I think that that's like what they were trying to portray in the news that he probably had something to do with it but who knows things just like continuously went on and on with this and it was a complete back and forth between Manchester and Ferrant and They actually said at one point that they were going to meet in April on Parliament Hill in Hampstead and have a little magical duel to decide who was the better wizard. Oh my god. 
He's like, square up, duel up with your one. Yeah, and I think that was actually in 1973, which was three years after the whole vampire thing happened. So they weren't letting it go. And there were flyers that appeared around London, which invited people to watch. And the newspapers ate that up, too. And they obviously posted it in the news. But neither of them has caught the vampire yet. So what are you really dueling to prove? Yeah, I guess, I don't even know, probably who's more worthy to even catch it or (laughs) kill it. But the men came to an agreement before and called off the duel. Oh, yay. Sadly. I was concerned. Ferrant also, he later made claims that Manchester had circulated a picture of his dead body in an obituary to get funds for his corpse. What? That's what Ferrant said that Manchester basically acted like he killed him and like published it, but I really don't know if there's evidence of that. It's like some Tiger King Carol Baskin shit. It is. And rumors just continued to fly. Rumors were all over the place. That's why I said take this with a grain of salt, because really, I have no idea what's true in this story. But... Again, rumors began to fly around London that David Ferrant was going to sacrifice a cat in the presence of two virgins, because that's like how ritual sacrifices have to be done. Do not sacrifice a cat seriously. And of course, Sean Manchester ate this up and said that, My opponent intends to raise a demon to destroy me by killing a cat. I will be relying solely on divine power. Ooh. I like him more now. (laughs) Well, there's really no evidence that Ferrant was ever going to do that. And a local man's pet sadly did not come home one day, but everybody just assumed that Ferrant had something to do with it. And a newspaper article basically published that they thought that Ferrant was a cat killer. Oh. And he actually sued them, and he won that lawsuit. Wow. So they really had no proof that he did anything like that. Yeah. I don't think there was any proof of that. There's probably just, like, yeah, people are putting all these bits and pieces together. In August of 1974, police found a woman's beheaded body, but they didn't believe that she had been murdered or anything, They believe that she was dead for a long time and that somebody had probably taken her body out of the grave. Oh, God. There is just continuously things happening at the cemetery and things are constantly going on. Yeah, it's really strange that so many corpses are turning up and getting abused. Yeah, and one news article actually reported that Ferrant was convicted of damaging memorials and interfering with dead remains, but that is something that he has always denied. Hmm. And he has said that he had never hurt any remains or done anything like that, but he did admit to mailing voodoo dolls to members of the police. (laughs) He was like, I will admit to those. Yep. But Sean Manchester just adds fuel to the fire because he would say that Ferrant had put black magic symbols on the floor of the mausoleum in London 
and had done black magic on the graves and in tombs. Okay. Ferrant or Manchester. It seems like Manchester is doing all of this. I, I mean, maybe this is a stretch, but it almost seems like Manchester is doing all of this just to portray and act like Ferrant is doing it and he's a horrible person. It's like, it's a lot of back and forth. And there was an author by the name of David Castleton who said that Sean Manchester had said that him and his assistants, when they were searching for the vampire, used ropes and stuff to climb down into the tombs and they were looking for coffins that just didn't seem to belong. Yeah. I I don't think you're allowed to do that, but okay. That's exactly what some people point out, is that, like, if he's saying that, he's kind of just as bad as if David Ferrant really did do something. True, you're just as bad because you're still breaking in and um, defacing property and then saying someone else is a horrible person for doing something similar. Yeah, but Manchester did believe that there was one coffin that would reappear throughout the whole cemetery And he was really bothered by that. And so he was going to stake the occupant of that coffin. Oh my god. But his assistant and people pointed out that that would be a crime. So somehow he waited for the vampire, the person in that coffin, to travel to a nearby home. And he took the opportunity to finally stake it. Wow. Okay. And Manchester says that he has pictures of a decomposing vampire in his book. David Ferrant claims it's Manchester in makeup. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know which one is true. Oh my god, please tell me you found the picture. No, I didn't. I mean, a lot of... We'll talk about their books in a minute, but I mean, their books are from the 80s, so... True, you have to buy the book to see the pic. Yeah, but we're going to talk about that picture in a minute. (laughs) Well, let's just talk about it now. Of course, and they also publish back-to-back books. Manchester published his sensational book, The Highgate Vampire, in 1985, and it was very popular. Ferran released his book, Beyond the Highgate Vampire, in 1991. The Shade. Mm Mm-hmm. But Manchester often pointed out that Ferrant was a convicted felon because of his jail time for the grave desecration. Oh my god, okay. Pulling up the receipts. Yeah, he came with receipts. But in Manchester's book, there was a picture of a woman's bitten neck the what he claimed was the victim of the attack. The picture was actually removed from the book in subsequent editions. Why? Well, the woman, her name was Elizabeth, she actually admitted to people, I'm not sure who, that Manchester had drawn the bite on the neck with a marker. <laughs> and Ferrant, I mean, kind of claims that he didn't believe the picture from the start because... Elizabeth was the girlfriend of one of Manchester's close friends, so he just thought that it was, like, really convenient that she would be the victim of the attack. Right. Which, that is a good point. Oh my gosh, this is crazy. This is a lot of drama I was not expecting today. It is a good amount of drama. There's a guy named Don Eckert. 
he's the head of research at UFO Magazine, and he's just really into the paranormal, and he was, like, really into this case. And he basically put it together that if there was a victim of the vampire, then... Because Manchester had said that he had, like, investigated victims of the vampire, you know? Mm-hmm. And he said that there... Manchester had said that one of these victims actually turned a vampire herself, so he had to stake her. Oh, my gosh. But this... People were just like, well, if that happened, then there would be a death certificate for whoever this woman was. And people that Sean Manchester said it was, or that his, like, secretary or people who work for him said it was, were people who were still alive. We need some proof here, Manchester. And I believe that he said that, Manchester said that the body had actually turned into a giant spider. Oh, That's the stake in the coffin, no pun intended, because who in the hell is going to believe that? And at some point, I'm just going to throw this in there, Manchester made a film that he played the hunter and the vampire in called The Vampire Exhumed. Oh my god, we need to watch that. Yeah, we need to find that. But eventually, I think after their books were released in the late 80s and early 90s, I think stuff was just cooling off. I think people kind of just got enough of this stuff. And it just, like, sizzled down. They both still love to talk about it, but I just think because, like, not a lot of people were giving them press. It just didn't... They're over it. Yeah, like, they'll throw jabs at each other a lot, and they would definitely take the opportunity to bash each other a lot. But it kind of just fizzled out. But sadly, Ferrant passed away in April of 2019, and Sean Manchester did offer some kind words and condolences, and did say that he was upset to hear about David Ferrant's death. Oh, So it appears that things were probably a lot for show. <laughs> yeah. But I will say, in the 1980s, They tried to do a massive restoration project of a lot of the cemetery and really tried to clean up a lot of the tombs that had been, like, desecrated during all this drama and to just clean up a lot of the stuff. Because, I mean, people kind of, like, wreaked havoc for a couple years because of that vampire stuff. So they did clean it up. And there still are ghostly sightings of people throughout the cemetery today. There's ghostly sightings of a mad, angry old woman who has long gray hair that blows behind her as she, like, kind of runs around the grave. She's probably the corpse that they beheaded. That's a good point. They also say there's a figure who gazes into space and is just, you know, looking lost. That's sad. Yeah. And they also say there's someone who vanishes and then reappears a short distance away. Oh my gosh, that's like one of my... I don't know why that really freaks me out. One of my worst nightmares to be running from someone and they just like keep appearing everywhere. I know, right? But that's basically it. It's not a whole lot and it's not crazy, but I just felt like that story deserved a place on this podcast. I thought it was pretty crazy. Who doesn't love two magicians dueling it out over a vampire? Not that I condone violence or condone 
not promoting magical violence, but I do wish that I they would have. Liked have... To see it. The duel. <laughs> I wish they had the duel. Yeah, I kind of do too. I wish. I don't know what would have happened in that. And I really don't know. I mean, Manchester said he staked the vampire and killed it, but it's like, then why isn't there the body? Right. And it was just like, why are you the only one that somehow saw it going to a home or something? Yeah. And I don't want to make accusations, but it is crazy that when the interest died down, it seems like the events with the corpses and stuff stopped happening. So you don't want to, you don't want to accuse either of them, but it kind of seems like the more crazy stuff that happened in the cemetery, it would benefit the two of them. Yeah, and I'm not exactly sure if the grave desecration happened after the 70s because I, there's just not a whole lot of information on that because I just don't know how much they were like putting out to the newspaper after the 70s about this. It was kind of just like when Ferran and Manchester would say something wild, right. the newspaper would report on it. But it does seem like that stopped. But I also think that probably stopped because in the 1980s, the group vowed to revamp the cemetery. So I think that that's probably why it stopped. Because they just, like, were redoing things and people probably got the hint. Stop fucking up the cemetery. Yeah, like, we're going to fix it, so stop messing with it. Gotcha. Wow, that is a crazy story, too. Feuding magicians. Maybe this inspired Harry Potter and Malfoy. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And it's apparently a huge, very pretty cemetery. So, I would say check it out. And there's definitely still some ghostly sightings. Um, I don't think you'll see a vampire, but you might see an old angry lady and someone who looks lost. (laughs) Oh, and then someone who follows you around every single freaking gravestone that you pass. Exactly. So if that's what you want to experience, I'd say check it out. Damn. Good story, Jackie. Let us know if you guys have heard this story. I have definitely never heard of two magicians feuding in real life. So let us know if you guys are familiar with the feud. Let us know what team you're on. (laughs) Yeah. Are you guys team Ferran or team Manchester? Let us know. I'm team Highgate Vampire. Yeah, me too. I think that's the um, real story here. I wish we knew more about that. But it just seems like there obviously wasn't much, so they had to make their own story. But that's okay. It was Damon Salvatore. Oh my god. I wish. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you guys for listening to another episode of Ew, That's Creepy. We will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at Ew, that's creepy podcast, or send us an email at ew, that's creepy podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.